Hello, I'm Ren Ferguson. I'm one of the ministers here at the Collinsville Troy Church of Christ. And I'm glad that you have returned today. If you will be opening up to Joel uh, chapter 3. Uh, that's where we're going to start today. This, this particular chapter is, of course, the last chapter of uh, the book of Joel. Um, and it contains, of course, prophecies about things that are to come. But it again is, is similar to some of the other passages that we have looked at and, and there are those that are divided about what he is, specifically what he is discussing. Uh, there are some that think that this chapter, and it will make more sense as we go through, that this chapter is referring to some sort of physical restoration of the, the children of Israel and of the Jews. Uh, of course, basing that on the end of verse 1 where he says, When I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem. And then as he continues throughout the chapter, he's pronouncing judgment, basically judgment on all of the enemies of the children of Israel. And a lot of commentators will ascribe this to uh, their return from the Babylonian captivity or the Assyrian captivity and God conquering those nations and judging those nations but then the other primary view is that what he is discussing here is not referring to physical Israel and Judah but referring to them in a spiritual sense which we know we know that for us and as Paul talks about in Galatians 3 that when we obey the gospel and we become a part of Christ we then are the seed of Abraham we are then the descendants of Abraham and in that sense have become God's people, much like the Jews were his, his people physically, but Christians are spiritually his people. And so the other major viewpoint on this is that what he is discussing here is more so about the, more so about the church and Christians and the spiritual application of this and the very general uh, application that God was going to judge those that oppress his people and oppress Christians, which we'll look at some things as we go along. Now, well, let's just read verse 1. It says, For behold, in those days and at that time when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem. We've already hit on the last part of verse 1, but the beginning of it I think is very important. Because he says, in those days and at that time. Well, what is, he, what is he talking about? What time period is he referring to here? Well, that goes back to what we've spent the, the first part of this week talking about. That time period in verses 28 through 32, when God was going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. Therefore, I think that what he's talking about here in those days and at that time is the Christian dispensation. He says, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I think I, I kind of lean more towards this not being necessarily the physical restoration of the Jews to the land of Canaan, but more so again that, that kind of spiritual application that those that come to God are of course his people. They are the descendants, the true descendants of Abraham not physically but spiritually the true descendants of Abraham and in that sense they are the 
They are Judah and Jerusalem. They are God's people. Just being figuratively represented here as Judah and uh, Jerusalem. So again, I think because of what he says there at the beginning of verse 1, he's talking about in those days and at that time, which could only refer to what he talked about in verses 28 through 32. So I think he's continuing to discuss the Christian age, the Christian dispensation, that in those days he would restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem. He would save them from their sins, and not just them, but anyone that came to obey Christ. And then continuing there in verse 2, he says, And I will gather the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. And I will enter into judgment with them, and there on behalf of my people and my heritage Israel, because they have scattered them among the nations and have divided up my land. Now again, there's a couple of, of different things here. He talks about the valley of Jehoshaphat. Uh, this is, I don't believe, to be understood as far as a literal location of gathering all of the nations into this particular spot on earth. But it is more so used figuratively as a place of judgment. He was going to judge all the nations. And I, and I think what we see here throughout this chapter is, is true no matter which view you may take of it, whether it be the physical and literal interpretation of the children of Israel coming back to the land of Canaan, or whether it be that, that uh, spiritual interpretation of it as, as applying to the church and to Christians and those that obey God. The general point that he is making is true no matter which position you may take. And the general point that he is making is that God will always avenge his people. He will always punish those that persecuted his people, whether it be like the Assyrians and the Babylonians when they came and conquered. Of course, God was punishing them because of their sins. But when the people of Israel repented and turned back to him, they were able to leave and go back to the land of Canaan. And God, of course, punished the heathen nations that persecuted them and that uh, worked against them. And in the same way, God does that for Christians. And he has promised to do that for his people. If you read the, the parable of the persistent widow in Luke 18, that's the whole point that Jesus is making. They were facing persecution, and Christians faced persecution. And his whole point is God hears our prayers, and he will avenge us. Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 12 in verse 19 as well. And so again, I think no matter which particular interpretation or application you lean towards, I think that general point is true for both of them, that God will avenge his people. Uh, but again, personally, because of that indicator that he gave in verse 1, that it was going to be in those days and at that time, I lean more towards this being not literal, physical Israel and Judah and Jerusalem, but rather God's people and, of course, including us, the church, uh, today. Um, again, we I think we may have hit on this earlier. Uh, Galatians 3, I'll just turn over there and read that uh, for us. Galatians uh, chapter 3, there in verses 28 in 29 is where Paul explains that. 
He says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So again, I don't think that it is, is a stretch to think that what he is, is describing here is not physical, literal Israel, but in that spiritual sense, talking about the church, talking about those that have believed in and obeyed Christ and have become a part of Christ and are, again, as Paul says, and are therefore the offspring of, of Abraham and how it was going to be during that Christian dispensation, as he says, God would restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem. He would free them and us from our sins and he would judge those that persecute them and that work against them. And that's really what he, he continues to discuss throughout the majority of the chapter, down through verse uh, 16. Uh, and, and we'll go through those things and look at those things, perhaps not in incredible depth, but just to hit on them um, a little bit. Uh, but we're just about out of time, and so we'll stop right here. And we'll pick up in uh, verse 3 tomorrow. I thank you for your time and for your attention. If you ever have any questions, feel free to comment them or uh, to send us a message or to call us. And we'd love to answer any of those questions that you may have. But if you'll come back tomorrow, uh, we'll pick up in verse 3.